Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. How many of you are thankful for Holy Ghost power? Amen. Amen. You can have a desire, but if you don't have power, you can't be victorious. And God knows that, and that's why he gave you of his spirit. And then Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Thank you for doing your best to be a part of that. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Everybody, not just a few. Some people will tell you today that the Spirit is poured out for a select few. That's not true. God is no respecter of persons. He pours out his Spirit upon Thank you. I want to preach to you today for a few minutes on this subject, nothing but the truth. God bless you. You may be seated. I will probably get in trouble today with some people, but I want to be pleasing to God above all else. So if you'd like to rebuke me, I will be available in the hospitality center. after service today. We live in the most knowledgeable generation of all time. Knowledge has increased, just as the scripture said it would. But we do not live in the wisest generation of all time. I I am not very much of a uh, techie guy. I can only do about three things on my phone. I can keep track of my schedule, I can text, and I can receive or send calls. That's about it for me. I don't do Facebook, Twitter, Tweeter, or Tumblr, or whatever they are. I don't do any of that stuff. So if you're wondering if something's on there and why I haven't said anything about it, because I don't know anything about it, I don't pay any attention to it. If you want to talk to somebody, call them. Meet them. But I do have this one app that I use a lot. It's called Google. Now, I don't trust everything that Google says, but usually it's pretty accurate. And I am alarmed at what is going on in our world today. And I am extremely concerned. And the instruction that God gave to Joshua, and I believe he gives to you and I, is to be strong and of good courage. And when the people heard what Joshua had to say, do you know what their one request of him in following Moses was? Be strong. 
and of good courage. So I'm going to be very strong with you today, and I'm going to be a very good courage. I'd like to give you a quote from Theodore Roosevelt. He said, to educate a man in his mind and not in his morals is to educate a menace to society. To educate a man in his mind, we're knowledgeable, but not in his morals, we're immoral. We create menaces to society. I heard this past week that Governor Evers put up the LBG, whatever, flag over the Capitol and has called for all businesses to follow the example. This is what I have to say to that. We ought to obey God rather than men. I believe in authority, you know I do. I respect every form of authority, every form of authority. But when they step out of bounds, contrary to God's word, you need to stand up and say, no sir, not happening here. The only thing, listen folks, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is that good men do nothing. You better stand up for what you believe, you better know what you believe, and you better not be ashamed of what you believe. Stand up! Declare righteousness! What is truth? And what is unrighteousness? Now let me say to you, before you go to Fox News and and, uh, TV6 and all that and say, oh, the pastor called out the governor, know this, I love gay people drug addicts, alcoholics. You can list them all, all of them that you want to list. I love every one of them, but I hate sin. And God hates sin too. And God is calling this nation to repentance, to coming back to truth, coming back to obedience, coming back to morality. And we have a disease in our society. Now, along with that statement, I want to read this to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I love them, but they're not getting in. And such were some of you. Heard a few amens there. I'm saying amen. And such were some of you. But the goodness of God has granted you repentance. 
You have come to God and admitted that you were wrong. You weren't a part of Pride Fest. You admitted that you're wrong. And you came before God and told him that you were sorry. You asked him to forgive you. And you are washed. And you are sanctified. And you are justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. That's where we are. And we need to give everybody the same opportunity to find repentance and the new birth experience that they might be saved. But we don't need to justify our sin, ringing up a flagpole, brag about it before people. We need to get right with God. When Jesus found a woman in adultery that called on him as Lord, he said unto him, neither do I condemn thee, I love you, but go and sin. He didn't say, well, that's okay, I give you a free pass, you just go about your way and continue living the way that you've always lived because I love everybody and I'll tolerate anything. He did not. He said, you go, but you sin no more. We need to change our lifestyle. My pastor said he wouldn't give you 10 cents for a religion that didn't completely change your life. We need a life change. We need a life change. Amen. Now I'm gonna show you how we can have a life change. It's through the truth of God's word. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 23 says, buy the truth and sell it not. I could stop right there. Buy the truth. Well, we don't even know what the cost is. Doesn't matter what the cost is. You have to be willing to buy the truth at any cost any cost. And then once you've purchased it, you never sell it. Amen? And it's going to cost you. I'm going to warn you right now. Truth is going to cost you. It's going to cost you relationships. It might cost you a position. But it's worth it, folks. I remember when I came to a, a, a Pentecostal church and I heard this precious truth and embraced it. And, the, and before I came to the Lord, this is not a brag, this is a fact, okay? Before I came to the Lord, I had lots of friends. I didn't come to church to make friends. I came to church because there was a hole in my soul. There was something missing in my life. I felt guilty about the way that I was living I wanted something that would satisfy my soul. And every one of the friends that I had in the world, all of them rejected the truth and none of them remained my friends. The truth cost me all my relationships of friends when I came and I counted as nothing. Look at the friends I got now. I got friends all over the world. I got people that love me, that support me, that pray with me, that encourage me, that help me. It's a cheap price to pay, but it's gonna cost you. 
Your parents might be disappointed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig a little deeper. Your parents might be disappointed in you. I raised you to be this. No, you raised me to be a Christian. You taught me that the Bible is the word of God. But now I see some things in the scripture that I haven't seen before. And what kind of a person would I be if I didn't obey what God has shown me and asked me to do? But we're more afraid of our parents and our relatives and our friends and our previous associations than we are of God himself. And that excuse will not fly before God. Nobody will stand before God and be able to say, well, you know, Lord, I would have served you, but my parents, but my friends, but the people I work with, by the truth, no matter what it costs you, and sell it not. Buy the truth and sell it not. So the truth must be, must be purchased at any cost and protected from all schemes. I did not say it must be defended. I said it must be protected. Don't let anybody steal truth from you. There are four things that will come against the truth. And here they are in Colossians chapter two and verse eight. Beware lest any man spoil you through, here's the first one, philosophy. Well, I've been to college. I've been to seminary. I have degrees, many books, lots of pictures with lots of important people. I am a person that should be revered and listened to. I am an expert. And my conclusion is this. But if that's contrary to the word of God, it is only philosophy. It is only a man's ideas. It is only a man's interpretations. Philosophy will destroy you. That's one of the concerns that I have about young people that go to college. They look at a college professor and think, well, he's an expert. He knows everything. He's experienced. He, in most cases, knows nothing about God and wants to convince other people that God doesn't exist so that their conscience can be clear. Because you see, if there's no God, then we're not accountable to anyone or anything. That's philosophical. That's dangerous. Again, they may have knowledge, but they lack wisdom. We say, well, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Well, the difference is simple. Knowledge, the root word is know. K-N-O-W, but wisdom is able to take knowledge and apply it to everyday life so that you can make good and godly decisions. That's why the, the Spirit of God will teach you and guide you into all truth. That's what this teacher does. It doesn't take you to fill up, oh, come on now. Preach with me a little bit. It doesn't take you to philosophy. It takes you to truth. Second thing that spoils, vain deceit. That's just a polite way of saying lying. People are not above lying. People lie all the time. 
They justify lying. They give colors to lying. Well, it's a little white lie. A lie is black. Any black added to any other color changes the color completely. Didn't think you'd like that one. But people will lie. The third thing is tradition. Well, we've always done it this way. This is the way we were brought up. For as long as I know generations upon generations, this is the way it's been done since 325 AD at the Council of Nicaea. We changed the doctrine and now we're 17 plus 100 years beyond that and so nobody questions it anymore because it is traditional. Well, what if it was wrong back then? Then we have 1,700 years of practicing the wrong thing. Is anybody going to stand up for truth? Is anybody going to say, thus saith the word of God? This is what God says. This is what God requires. Or are we going to get hung up on philosophy, people that lie to us, and tradition? And then there's the last thing, it's just, just plain worldliness. God doesn't exist. He never did, never will. You see, you think if you deny that there's a God, that that frees you from standing before him, and it does not. Matter of fact, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not, he's damned already. Just simply not believing is enough to condemn you. It's a good thing I don't preach for effect or for response. For in him, verse nine, boy, we heard this last week, brother, Pastor Cordell preached a great message, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Tradition doesn't say that. Quite contrary. Some people that know better lie about it. I'll tell you about lying. Can I just preach today? Let me tell you about lying. True story, man by, I'll even give you his name. The man's name was John Exted. He was a Trinitarian preacher, part of, a, maybe I better not name the organization, but a part of an organization in Canada. Well, some Pentecostal preachers that, that know who Jesus is sat him down and they talked to him and said, let's take a look at the scriptures and see who Jesus is together. And, and they began to share things with him and he, he debated with them and carried on with them for quite a while. And finally they said, well, it's lunchtime. We're going to go to lunch. You want to go with us? And he said, no. He said, I, I'm just going to be alone with God in my Bible here while you guys go to lunch. And so they left and he prayed and he said, God, if I'm missing it, Reveal it to me. And God opened it up to him and he saw that Jesus was God, manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached on to the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up in the glory. He saw it. And when he saw that, he obviously knew that he, that he had been baptized wrong because he had been baptized in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and that wasn't scriptural and now because of this revelation, he knew what he needed to do. So they came back and he explained the oneness of God to them. 
And he said, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name right now. And they baptized him in Jesus' name. He'd already had received the Holy Ghost. So he stood before the ministerial body of this organization, got the microphone, explained to them what had happened to him and the importance of baptism in Jesus' name versus the way that they had been baptizing. And you know what they said? We already know that. And we and our families have all been baptized in Jesus' name by immersion, just as you've shown us. But he said, you're not preaching that in your pulpits. You're not letting your people know that. And they said, we're not gonna do that. We'd lose our jobs. We'd lose our income, our pensions. We'd lose it all if we did that. There are people that know and are lying. You better have a love for the truth, folks. You better not put your trust in man. And I'm talking about me, too. You put your trust in God's word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word. I want to be able to stand before God and say, hey, God, you questioned me on my doctrine. I got this guy's doctrine right here. Remember that guy that you gave the keys to the kingdom of heaven? I'm standing right next to him, Peter. Here he is right here. He's the one that told me I needed to repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins and that I'd receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and I did. I'm standing with him. You gave him that doctrine, he passed it to me and now I'm passing it on to them. You can stand in that kind of a situation but if you don't have the word of God to back you up, You got nothing. Jesus is the truth. If any man, this is what John 12, 47 says, if any man hears my words and believes not, I judge him not. I came not to judge the world. I came to save the world. Aren't you glad for that? Came to save the world. He that rejects me and doesn't receive my words has one. Here's the judge. You want to know who the judge is? Has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. You're going to be judged by the word. Judged by the word. John 1 14, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And notice what he's full of. Grace. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. I would have thought mercy and love. But you see, I'm the one that needs grace. And I'm the one that needs truth. So he became, he became what I needed, not what he wanted. Ooh, you ought to write that down. I didn't plan on saying that. John 14 and six, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Notice where he put truth. 
smack in the middle, the centerpiece that connects wanting to know the way and what to do right now and eternal life. And he puts truth smack in the middle because you can't get abundant life and you can't get eternal life without truth. Can't get there. The truth. John 8 and 31, Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So truth is the liberator. It's what sets us free. That's why when a person is in sin and they come to God, they have to have a willingness to know and obey the truth. Because then the truth can exercise its power and liberate them. Aren't you glad for a changed life? I found a new life. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word is truth. Let me say this to you, and I, please don't misunderstand me. I love everybody in this room. There isn't anybody here I have a grudge against, an offense. The slate is clean between every one of you. I love you. Appreciate your friendship. This is a great church. I'm glad to be a part of it, and I'm going to be a part of it as long as I'm alive. But I'm not here for your friendship. I love our music. We've got a great praise team. The Spirit of God moved in a mighty way this morning. And we can take it for granted because it just seems to happen every service. Because people pray and practice and get here early and make the sacrifices required to make sure that we have a great worship service. But I'm not here for your music. We've got some great programs and there's lots of wonderful ministries at Abundant Life that you can get involved in that can bless you and your family and, and that's wonderful. But I'm not here for the programs. I'm here for the truth. I want to hear the truth preached. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for the truth. All those other things, I'm appreciative. Don't get me wrong. But they're just bonuses. They're not the main reason that I'm here. So I want to conclude today by taking you to Pilate's courtroom. John chapter 18, Jesus and Pilate are having a conversation. Jesus said in 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And Pilate said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. Watch this. That I should bear witness unto the truth. And everyone that is of the truth 
hears my voice. Sounds to me like when he was talking about shepherds and sheep. When he said, you know, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me and another they will not follow. Why won't they follow? Because they're just a bunch of hirelings. They don't care for the sheep. It's just a job. Just like anybody else that goes to work. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. He speaks truth. And those that love truth follow. And he came to bear witness of the truth. Watch what Pilate says unto him after he says that. What is truth? That sounds like a philosophical question. What is truth? And when he said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Two things stick out to me that are amazing about this very brief conversation. Pilate asks a question and he doesn't wait for an answer. He says, what is truth? And turns and walks away. Why didn't you wait for your answer? Maybe you didn't want to know the truth. Maybe you were afraid of what the truth might cost you, might require of you. You know, one of the first things that God will break in your life, pride. That's got to be broken. That's why when you first, I'm chasing a rabbit, but I'll be back. That's why when you first came to a Pentecostal church, you know one of the hardest things you could do? Lift your hands. That surrender thing, that's, that's not too popular in this world. I see they look like, like a cat with his fingers in the screen sometimes. Can't hardly get them above their eyes. We don't want anybody to notice. That's why some people shake while they're getting their hands up. They're so... We have a problem with pride. I remember God, how God broke that pride in my life. The church I went to, if you went to an altar and knelt down and you prayed and you put your face in your hands and got in a little cocoon position, you know, people pretty well leave you alone. That meant something private was going on. But if you ever lifted your hands, whoo that meant that the swarm was coming. Man, you, you don't have the Holy Ghost and you lifted your hands and you're starting to get rid of that pride. We've seen this before. That means somebody's about to get the Holy Ghost. And so everybody'd swarm in on them and, and start yelling and spitting and carrying on all around them. So the simplest thing is just don't lift your hands, just don't surrender. But after about four months of going to the altar, every service, because I wanted to get the Holy Ghost and I couldn't get it, on a Sunday night, I told my wife, I said, I'm going to church tonight and I'm not coming home until I receive the Holy Ghost. And if that means I don't go to work tomorrow, then I don't go to work. I'll have to take a personal day but this is more important to me. 
than anything else in the world. And I'm tired of being frustrated and not progressing in my walk with God. My wife received the Holy Ghost. My brother received the Holy Ghost in the same service. And initially, I was the one that brought them both. God wasn't being fair with me. But they were able to swallow their pride. They wanted God so desperately, they didn't care what anybody else thought. And they got the Holy Ghost before I did. And I had to get to the same point where I don't care what happens if people come around me and start yelling and spitting and screaming in my face. I still want the Holy Ghost. I'll stay longer than they do. I'm not leaving here till I get what I came for. So I got down on my knees and he said, hey, why don't you lift your hands? And I did that. And they started yelling and spitting and carrying on around me. And then I, I said, hey, Gene, I said, I, I can't pray. I, they're so loud, I can't hear myself. What am I going to do? He said, pray louder than they do. Well, that, that involves pride too, because I don't want people hearing what I'm saying to God, you know. All that pride. And then finally I just said, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care what you think. I don't care if you don't like me anymore. I don't care if you think I'm weak. I just, I just don't have any pride left. I just want all that God has for my life. That's the only thing that matters. And I started praying louder, God, I want your spirit. I remember what I said, God, I want your spirit more than I want to live. And bam! I mean, it wasn't 10 seconds after that he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Because I wanted it more than I wanted to live. It was more important than anything else. Pilate, you missed your chance. You were looking right at the truth. You asked a question and you didn't wait for an answer. Thank God for home Bible study teachers. All the home Bible studies in the house, that are all teachers that are teaching home Bible studies or have, wave your hand. Just, I've taught a home Bible study. God bless you folks. We need more of you. Because people are asking, what is truth? And you got the answer. And they're willing to sit and listen. Here's the other thing I learned from Pilate. Even though he didn't know what it was, even though he feared it, he couldn't find any fault with it. People can make fun of you. You want to go to the bar with us? We're going to the bar tonight. Let's go out and celebrate. Let's go out and have a, have a good time. No, not interested in going with you. They can't find fault with you. They don't agree with you. They don't live like you live. But what's wrong with a person not drinking? Is that a sin? So I, I gave you a few, few weeks ago, I gave you an answer. I said, you can say three things to those kinds of people. Why don't you go out drinking with us? Don't need it. Don't want it. I got something better. How's that? And that, I hope that sparks your curiosity. What do you got that's better than drinking? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
I got the Holy Ghost down in my soul, just like the Bible says. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he changed me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory. So there are four things. Oh, wait, I got to give you this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Let me give you one more bit of bad news and then I'll end positive, all right? I got some bad news. Here it is. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 8. Then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. And here is why. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. You see how the truth and saved are connected? See it? Because they had not a love of the truth that they might be saved. And this is the one time in all of time that God and Satan will be on the same side. And for this cause, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe, remember the four things we talked about? That they should believe a lie, that they might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And God says to you, all these years that I've brought the truth to you, all these people that I've brought to you and tried to get my message across to you, you have rejected them. You have pleasure in unrighteousness. You have no desire for truth and you want to live your lies. Now, I'm going to let you live them for eternity. I'm going to send you a strong delusion. Just as he did with Pharaoh. 400 years the Israelites were in bondage to Egypt before God said, okay, I'm done with you now. Philippians chapter four, verse eight says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, and notice what he puts at the top of the list, whatsoever things are true. Let's start there. Let's start with the truth. Then we can go to things that are honest and just and pure and lovely and good report. And if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, but start with truth. Let's stand together. There are four things that we need to do with truth. Four things. Number one, we need to love the truth. I love it. Even if it makes me uncomfortable. You know, I used to I still love it. I still love coming to church and having the preacher step on my toes. Read my mail. Correct me. 
You better, you better hope you always feel that way. The truth is not always comfortable, but we need to love it. The second thing we need to do with truth is we need to obey it. I mean, what good is it if we don't obey it? It can't save us unless we obey it. I read to you Acts 2 and 38 and 39. Repent. Every one of us needs to live repentance. Every one of us needs to be immersed in the name of Jesus for the remission of our sins. Every one of us needs to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Every one of us. That's truth. You may not like it. You may not have it. But it needs to be what you're aiming and shooting at and what you're doing because you love and obey the truth. The third thing we need to do is we need to walk in the truth. We need to walk it, not just talk it. And the last thing we need to do with truth is we need to speak the truth in love. This is what Ephesians 4 and 15 says, speak the truth in love. Bless God, if you don't do this right now, you're eternally lost. How about making it a positive thing? Do you know what? God can forgive and remit every sin you've ever committed. God can fill you with power, give you purpose and meaning, joy unspeakable and full of glory. In his presence, there's fullness of joy and at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. How come we don't just speak the truth with love instead of condemnation? If you go to court in Pilate's courtroom or in our courtrooms that are still left today, they'll bring out a Bible. (laughs) Kind of hypocritical, but bring out a Bible and say, sir, put your hand on this Bible. Do you swear? That's a strong word. Do you swear to tell the truth? The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. So help you God. And your response needs to be I do. Hey, folks, when you leave here today, don't leave here without truth. Don't go to anybody with a half-truth. Go to people with nothing but the truth. So help you, God. Jesus, I pray for this congregation that we will be a congregation that as long as we are on planet Earth, we'll love the truth, obey the truth, walk in the truth, and speak the truth in love. Give us a spirit of boldness. Help us to stand up for what is right. The world is looking to see what the church is about to do. They've already seen what the world is doing. Help us to stand up for truth Buy it and never see it.
Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.